If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! This is helpful for us to understanding their whole picture of their situation so that we can address globally what their needs are and help provide the best care. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar, and that is the voice of social work supervisor Carrie Sewell-Roberts talking about a new patient and family screening tool rolling out across the Nemours enterprise. It's called the Social Determinants of Health Screening, and it was officially launched at primary care locations in the enterprise in December 2020 following a successful pilot last fall. It's an annual survey designed to provide a snapshot of a family's social health, housing, food, transportation, economic situation, and the like. And it provides Nemours with the ability to target resources to those in need and help shape future planning and policy initiatives for patients, families, and the community. Joining Carrie to talk about this new tool and the key role associates play in its success are Natasha Williams, Nemours Population Health Specialist, who is responsible for the survey's rollout, Kia Gaines, Director of Operations in the Department of Pediatrics for the Delaware Valley, and Yvette Santiago, Director of Strategic Initiatives in the Nemours External Public Affairs Department, also in the Delaware Valley. Why, you may ask, is this so important? Carrie Sewell Roberts gets us started by explaining just that. It's so important for us to be able to identify the social determinants of health for our patients because it helps us to identify where there may be lacks of resources or lack of opportunities for our patients so that we can determine whether or not um, there are factors that are limiting their health care. And all these factors play into their overall maintaining their health. And so it's important for us to know patients are facing so that we can we can help them and address the, the concerns that they have. And I will just add that it could also help to understand diagnoses, treatment, given uh, the various factors in their external environment and how that's impacting their overall health. Let's talk a little bit about the data here. What data are you trying to collect and what are you trying to accomplish with this data? The data that we're currently collecting, uh, we have 10 different domains that we ask questions about. So things like housing, transportation, economic issues, things of that nature to really help us identify what some of the presenting issues are with our families. We also are looking at data trends. We're looking at geographic areas to really identify, are there opportunities for us in the catchment areas surrounding our various practices? What are the primary issues? What are additional resources? Do we need to bring to bear or what other things do we need to do to reach out to our external community partners to be able to bring in some external uh, supports for families, as well as also tracking the issues that kind of ebb and flow. Um, when we initially started this process, one of the questions that we added as a result of the onset of COVID was individuals and their access to reliable, affordable Internet service. And by doing that, we recognize that a lot of families, you know, with, with the pivot 
to online learning were really struggling. And so we wanted to make sure that if families were struggling with that issue, we would have the appropriate supports that we could offer them to make sure that they were getting the help that they need. Yeah. Hi. And this is Yvette. And just a touch base off of what Natasha is saying, all data that we collect at Nemours eventually our goal is to try to affect some kind of change in collecting that data, right? Data helps to inform planning. It helps to inform funding. It helps to inform decisions about where we're going or perhaps maybe where we need to go. Um, from an external affairs perspective and a government relations perspective, we work very closely with the department that Natasha works in. And they say, you know, we really need some advocacy and help at the state level because these are some significant trends we're seeing and hearing from our families and these are the types of changes that I think we either need to see through regulation or legislation. And we begin to formulate policy priorities around that. If they're not policy priorities, they're partnership priorities, right? So maybe it's a, a more robust partnership with the state's public health or a more robust partnership with other primary care providers in the area or even social service providers to help make sure that the information that we're getting back from our families, if we're not able to fill the gaps in those resources and services, that we're able to connect them adequately, but we're also able to advocate on, on the side of, you know, whether it's funding or needing additional resources when we're speaking to our elected officials, both at the local level and at the state level. Aside from that COVID example that Natasha gave, have there been any trends that you've seen in the data so far or is it too early? So with the data that we've collected so far, we've consistently seen food insecurity as one of our top three issues, as well as some financial issues. Most recently, with some of the housing protections going away, we really started to see a significant uptick in individuals reporting housing concerns. So that's what we're seeing thus far with the data that we've collected. Let's talk about the folks that are collecting this data. A lot of them are in the primary care practices. They are our associates, our colleagues. Are they the ones who are asking these questions? Who would be asking these questions of the families coming in? So this is Natasha again. Again, it varies. For a lot of families who are on the Nemours app, they actually will receive the questionnaire set out to them within seven days prior to their visit via the app, and they have the ability to complete it in the privacy of their home and at their convenience. For other families who are coming in, we also have the ability to, um, during a visit, provide them with the survey via one of our Nemours devices in a mode that would pretty much lock everything else out for them to access in the system other than just a tool. And for our families who are non-English speaking, we do have several different languages that we can provide the tool to them in a paper form. So it's introduced digitally, which is very interesting to me and very fascinating to me. How how much of an uptick or an uptake of the online version of this survey have you been seeing? So we actually have really good response rates across the board at a lot of our practices. You know, we've had a, a My Nemours system for quite some time and have recently converted over to the Nemours app. And so with the rollout of the app, of course, we have some families who, you know, are very, very tech savvy. I mean, prefer that and com can complete not just the actual survey, but a laundry list of their pre-appointment documentation prior to coming in. And so we've really been surprised because there were some, some of our practices where we didn't necessarily think we would have that much receptivity to the app. But as we've kind of introduced it to individuals and to let them know, you know, all the different features of the app, they're actually using it. And so it's, it's been very successful for us and it's really helped, particularly with everything going on with COVID, with folks being able to get that done in advance of the visit so that when they come in the door, the provider can kind of see what's going on 
and not necessarily take time for them to fill it out in the office. It's done before they walk in the door. This is Carrie. I, I think that the the move over to um, the Nemore app is super exciting because I think, you know, families often have a lot of things, a lot of questions they need to answer when they come into a doctor appointment. And this will give them the ability to answer these questions on their own time, in their own space, and, you know, really take the time and, and not have it be rushed in the context of getting ready for a visit with the doctor. One of the things that we're also doing at our practice site is looking at our refusal rates. So for those sites that have had really high refusal rates or where we've seen refusal rates jump, we are following up with those sites. It's kind of figure out like what's going on, why are folks refusing so that we can, again, be to your to your point, Kia, be able to you know provide some additional support, some additional training, some additional information. One of our practices in particular had requested uh, a letter that they could send out to all of their um, patient panel. And so we were able to provide that to that site as well as other sites for them to use. And so it really is a process where, you know, it's new for us. We are actually in the process of continuing to educate even our internal staff as to what social determinants are. And for us really trying to make sure that internally we all as associates are on the same page. And then we are in a position to better communicate that information out to our external patients as they're coming in the door. So one of the things we did not do, just looking at best practices and what was happening across the country, is we asked individuals initially, do you want to complete this screen? If they say no, we leave it alone. And the reason being is that we want to respect people's no. Now, some of our sites, of course, you know, for the staff who are familiar working with, with families, they do give them reasons. But we just felt like if they're telling us they don't want to answer any questions. We're not going to ask them any more questions. And so, you know, we are hearing back from some of the staff in our practices, some of the reasons for refusal. Some of it is just time. Some of it is individuals aren't comfortable sharing that information. And we make them aware that you have every right to, you know, you don't, if you don't want to complete it, you don't have to. It's completely voluntary to try to also give them additional information as to why we're asking and what the information is going to be used for. But if at the end of the day, they tell us no, we take the no, we make a note of it, we respect it, and we continue on with the patient visit. Namor's Kia Gaines. You know, when I think about the social determinants of health and how this is uh, sort of a new trend in healthcare, I think about the impact of social determinants of health on our communities. When I became aware of the impact of social determinants of health on in our communities and the outcomes of health, it was actually very exciting because I can honestly say as an African-American woman, you know, oftentimes prior to our discussions of social determinants of health, the impact or the outcomes of health care were really sort of pointed, that the fingers were pointed back at the communities themselves. It's your fault that you have this health outcome. It's your fault that you are impoverished. It's your fault. And the social determinants of health has, has actually provided a narrative that states that many of the things that have occurred in your past that you have had no control over have suddenly now impacted your health care. And I know that that was an aha moment for me. And I know that that's an aha moment for our communities. I wonder how aware they are of this new push from healthcare facilities. I would think that we still have a lot of education. And so therefore, we may see some hesitancy initially when we're asking the questions about your life, your children, housing, food. I have heard feedback from some areas that families 
are questioning, why are you asking me these questions? Are, are you are you coming to take my children from me because I have food insecurities, because I have housing insecurities? And so, you know, in that thought, I think we have some opportunities where we now need to actually educate our populations that we serve, that this is a new trend. And because we now realize that there are other things that are impacting healthcare and have been for so long, that we now need to identify what those things are and that we're here as a as a help. And so I just wanted to throw that out there, you know, in terms of as we're, as we're talking about it to see uh, what others think about that. Yeah, this is Yvette. And I do want to just add a couple more comments related to that. And I think about this, I think about the U.S. census, right? It comes around every 10 years. We're not going to do this every 10 years. We're going to do it every year. But here's the thing with the U.S. census. We don't think about the census until it comes around. And people don't realize that if they don't fill out the census, it's going to impact funding at the city, state, and local level. And what happens is people don't understand that connection of what does it mean to be counted. And so you can translate that to this here. If we're asking families to give us this information in order for us to provide the best care that we possibly can, and oh, by the way, in our position as healthcare leaders in the state, we're also going to elevate that conversation to the state level folks, for them to understand that, hey, we're the only pediatric institution in the state. This is what we're hearing. This is what we believe the state needs to perhaps maybe, you know, provide more funding, provide more support, provide more resources. And I think when you tell the story from that perspective, in the friendliest way possible, it allows folks to understand and say, okay, now I get it. And now I'm a little bit more forthcoming about my personal situation and and the situation that my family has either been in or my kids have been in. And so it's important to be very open and upfront about that because it actually helps to get you to the end result that you were to get to. But if you just kind of gloss over it and say, hey, we just need you to give us the answers to these questions. It's like, but for what? And if I don't really understand, like, am I really going to give you those answers? And it's really interesting because we had a provider that reached out to us a while back with some feedback. And there was a family who had been coming to that practice for a considerable amount of time. And, you know, the provider had been treating them and the family flagged positive for two or three areas on a social determinants screening tool. And he was floored because he said, he, had we not asked those questions, he would have made assumptions and he would have never known that this family, although they look put together, really were struggling. Um, and that was really an eye opener for him in, in that situation. And so um, I think, you know, for all of us, it's a reminder that sometimes, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover and that you really don't know what's going on behind the scenes and that a person's overall health is about 20 percent medical care and about 80 percent environment. And so we have the opportunity to really find out what that other 80 percent is and make substantive impactful change. Um, then we're going to get better health outcomes across the board. A key component for the success of the social determinants of health screening here at Nemours is you, the Nemours associate. Each one of us has the opportunity to engender trust with patients and their families. And that sets the stage for honest answers to what can be some very personal questions. Natasha Williams explains. One of the things that we really tried to do as a part of educating our staff is to you, to both of your point, is to really make sure that they are explaining in detail why we're asking this. We know this is new. We know some of these questions are personal. We are not here to go after you. We're not here to report you to DFS. That is so not what we're trying to do. We truly want to help you in the moment 
But we also want to understand not only what you need, but what others in your community need. And we had the opportunity to then take all of that information and make impactful change. Absolutely. And this is Yvette again. I will say on behalf of my Latino families out there and other cultures that perhaps may not be documented or U.S. citizens, they are not going to release information. They are going to give you the bare minimum. In fact, they're even afraid to come to us. And so it is extremely important for us from a cultural competency perspective to understand those very issues, because if we don't understand them, we're not going to um, be able to determine the best approach to get the best information that we need. Yeah, absolutely. This is key again. And, you know, it also brings me to the thought of, you know, our associates that are delivering and asking these questions. And I'm certain that, you know, the, the more we talk about this and discuss this, it's going to move outside of primary care and into specialties and, and, on, and across memoirs. We have a lot of training that we're going to have to do with our associates to be able to deliver this message openly, honestly, and in a caring and empathetic manner. We, we know that we have some opportunities to create more diverse populations within our walls, and that's absolutely necessary. You know, it's absolutely proven that people of color will speak more with and tell more to other people of color, and especially in the Latino community, those who speak uh, the language, those who you can truly communicate with. And so I think we're going to have a lot of um, need to orient people to delivering the message correctly. And in my opinion, authenticity shows in what people say and as people are speaking to you. So we have to actually get them to understand the importance of social determinants of health, understanding that it is actually impacting healthcare across many communities. And that might be a change in mindset and may, and may have some other challenges with that. What about families who report on the survey that they are food insecure or there is violence in the home? Are there resources for the families? Absolutely. So for any family who flags positive in our primary care locations, each one has embedded care coordination. And so those individuals are there to provide us on-site support for them or follow-up support for those families. So any family who comes in who indicates that they have any form of determinant, they are automatically receiving a printout with specific information for resources throughout the state. Again, we have that in a variety of different languages, so it depends on the family and their their native tongue. They can get that information. An alert is also sent to our care coordination uh, staff member on site. It gives that staff member the ability to do follow-up with the family to connect them with external resources and get them the help that they need and to make sure, you know, they're following up to do what they need to do. For those situations that are seen as emergent or uh, presenting as a real emergency, we've actually had providers leave the room right away and go grab a care coordinator to bring them in to meet with the family in real time. If, for example, the issue of domestic violence, if that family is in imminent danger, then that provider will go and get that care coordinator and they will work with that family right then and there in real time to help them and get them the supports they need. I'm hearing and here the role of care coordinator is really, really crucial. Talk about that. So our care coordination team for this process, it really is critical. In some of our settings, as we look at potentially expanding, you know, of course, we have social work and, and other roles, but it's, it's really having somebody who is knowledgeable about available resources, is knowledgeable about the surrounding community, and can meet and talk to that family to get them the connections that they need. 
And Carrie, it sounds like uh, social work also has a, a really important and pivotal role here. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So here in Nemours, um, how we're currently structured is the primary cares don't always have social workers embedded. Some of the care coordinators are social workers. And so those folks will respond to um, support the families that have concerns within the primary care settings. Now, as the social determinants of health screener gets rolled out into our ambulatory sites and into our inpatient units, then social work will take a primary role in responding to those red flags. So, you know, most of the social workers within Nemours of the Delaware Valley are, are either here at our hospital or in an ambulatory site. And so um, that's where we'll, we, we will play um, the most significant role because that's our current setting. However, if there is a concern that arises in a primary care site that is, you know, more complex in nature, social workers available to respond to that as well. Talk about what else Nemours Associates can do to help with getting folks to participate in this. This is so very important. Well, I mean, I think this is Yvette. I mean, anytime you want folks to participate is really communication, knowledge, and awareness about it in the most simplistic terms so that people understand it. And with communication, you have to overly communicate because just like in education, um, we learn through repetition. And the more we talk about something and the more we integrate it into our business as usual, it becomes a little bit easier. And so from, from that standpoint, I would say definitely continue to communicate and highlight this every step of the way in various formats, not just, you know, in verbal communications, written communication, social media platforms, disseminating those messages to our key partners. So that they're also reinforcing it, because I can tell you that from a partnership perspective, a lot of our partners are trying to gauge and assess this information as well as they're trying to work with our very same families. And so they're, they may not be calling it a social determinants of health, so, but they're asking those very same questions because in order for them to be able to deliver care and service in their particular organization, they got to understand a little bit about where the family's coming from and what their environment is. So communication is key. And doing it in the most simplistic form is probably the best way to go. Is this information being shared? I know it's not being shared with the government. We talked about that a little bit earlier, but with your public health partners or your nonprofit partners in, in what form? So the information is being shared in that as we are starting to see trends emerge, we are reaching out to some of the external organizations that can potentially impact. For example, there was a project that we worked on fairly recently with the food bank to make sure that there was additional funding that had come through and we were able to provide food vouchers at several of our sites that had very high need identified via the tool. Um, and so we're looking to do more of that in the near future, as well as really see, are there some opportunities for additional policy changes or is there opportunities for advocacy and things of that nature? So we are looking at all aspects of this as the information continues to come in, um, the fact that we have just crossed the threshold for 20,000 uh, screens being completed, we now feel as though geographically uh, across the Delaware Valley, we have now a decent amount of data that we can begin to start sharing that information with other organizations outside our walls. And I'm guessing that's de-identified data. Yes, absolutely. What's going on in Florida? Has this rolled out in Florida as of yet? So we did have Florida sites that were participating in our pilot. 
And we still have some of those sites that are continuing to conduct the screener and collect data. And this is directly related to the strategic plan that was released recently, that you're going beyond the walls as an organization, partnering, looking for data, getting uh, evidence-based for data, for information to help every child. Yep, that is 100% correct. You know, we just went through this rebranding and it is now well beyond medicine. And this is what social determinants of health is. It is beyond medicine and medicine can help treat. But unless we truly understand what these environmental indicators are giving us, then we can't properly treat. And so when we're talking about beyond medicine, this is exactly it. Yeah, and this is key. I completely agree uh, with that comment. That, and I think, you know, it's just so crucial that we truly engage our communities openly, honestly, that we educate them on what our learnings are. A lot of times we learn new things and we're so fast to implement them, but we forget that we have to educate them as well. Because it's empowering to know that though you're in a situation, it was not necessarily of your doing. And that people are there to truly assist you. You know, I, I, I think about communities of color and the amount of hesitancy concerning health care that's embedded within the communities, you know, for many years of, of, of racist health care experiences. It's going to take a lot of trust to really tr- truly bring people on board and trust for them to know that you really have their best interests at hand for them and their children. And so whatever we can do to show that we're here to support our communities, it's only going to reap the best rewards for all of us. So that's something that we should remember. Kia Gaines is the Director of Operations in the Department of Pediatrics for the Delaware Valley. She was joined in discussion about the Nemours Social Determinants of Health screening by Natasha Williams, Population Health Specialist, Carrie Sewell-Roberts, Social Work Supervisor, and Yvette Santiago, Director of Strategic Initiatives in the Nemours External Public Affairs Department, also in the Delaware Valley. If you're looking for more information about the Social Determinants of Health screening or about anything having to do with population health, Natasha Williams would be happy to assist. Email her at natasha.williams at nemours.org. That's natasha.williams at nemours.org. The Champions for Children podcast, updating you on new initiatives across the enterprise and telling your stories. Have a story idea? We'd love to hear from you about it. Jot a few lines in an email and send it off to podcast at namores.org for consideration. That's podcast at namores.org. Our production team this week includes Peter Adebi and Deborah Griffin. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. The podcast is available everywhere, including Net and the Nemours Now app, along with your favorite podcast app and your smart speaker. On behalf of Yvette Santiago, Carrie Sewell-Roberts, Kia Gaines, and Natasha Williams, I'm Carol Vassar, and we thank you for listening to this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children and families we serve.